Greetings from Hear Her Sports, the bi-weekly podcast about women in sports. I'm Elizabeth Emery, your host. I can't say enough about how much I enjoyed talking to this week's guest, Lisa Hunt, a longtime friend. Even during our two conversations for the podcast, I learned a ton and even increased my own gym workouts after hearing about her current training schedule. So once again, she's ended up being a very appreciated mentor. Our second conversation happened just last week while she was vacationing in Maui. That discussion is at the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for dealing with all this tech stuff and also agreeing to uh, talk on the podcast. Oh, sure. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why don't you start by talking about how we met and where we met? Okay. Um, well, we met, I, don't, I can't even remember the year, but it was somewhere in Central Park um, with the New York Cycle Club. We both were members there and we were going on these rides together um, with the, the SIG, the special interest group. You were the leader. And I was the leader. Yeah. Um, and you were one of my little students. Exactly. Stronger than me, but you know, it's good. It's all good. Um, and yeah, we became friends. We, uh, you were actually the one that talked me into bike racing. No um, way. Yeah. I think it was after the SIG, you were like, well, I'm joining the Century Road Club um, to do some racing. I was like, ah, oh, I shouldn't race. And then it's like, oh, come on, it'll be fun. And so it was you and me and Stephanie. And I don't think Catherine was our, remember we did that team time trial together. Oh, right. That was like my first race. And we laughed so hard afterwards. It was like, well, th well, this is so much fun. And then we paved the way um, by, we were the first um, team to become one of those official sponsored teams as part of the CRCA. And now it's blossomed into, you know, 9 million teams in the Century Road Club. It's crazy. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I don't think everybody knows that that's the case. You know, every person I talk to who I meet out here or I talk to on Facebook or something like that, every one of them, I tell them that. I said, we were the first ones and now it's a big thing. It, there's nothing on the website. I, I, want, I want full acknowledgement that <laughs> there was a women's team that was the first one. And you found, I think you're right. And you found all the, our sponsors and you did all that, all that work. I did a lot of the work. Um, Jose actually helped us with a lot of it. But yeah, we, we uh, I think we all did the work because we were, you know, not only were we athletes, we were business people. Right, right. And th that sort of leads to another question. I was looking at their website and they have a foundation for a, a development foundation. And the riders are all men. I think there's one young woman. And so it's interesting to me that it still seems difficult to encourage women to race at any age. Yeah, I think I think the big challenge is that um, a lot of women feel intimidated um, about racing. Um, and I mean, I, it's the same way when you go into a bike shop. Most of them are very intimidated by going in there and dealing with men mostly. Um, 
and I think that's why um, I, you know, I'm sure you're aware of the of the Women's Cycling Association that was created, mm-hmm. um, and that's really to to get more women involved in cycling, and then potentially get them involved in racing. But I really do think that there needs to be more development programs. Um, for women for for bike racing. I mean, the Century Road Club was great because, you know, it had the club club races. And if you just wanted to do the club races, that was great. But you could, you could you know, um, learn about bike racing and then you could ultimately improve and, you know, move up the ranks. And it was great. But there needs to be more of, of things like that. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think that the, for example, the CRCA or the Women's Cycling Association can attract more women and, and make it less intimidating? Um, I think probably by doing more um, group events, rides, um, cycling camps. I know that, um, you know, I'm good friends with Robin Farina, who's president of the WCA. And, you know, she's always out there doing more and more of these cycling camps for women of all ranges um, of, of cycling. And you've also been very involved in managing women's teams. Yeah, I um, whew, um, and much harder than bike racing. I will admit to that. Um, after I retired from the sport, um, from racing, I decided I wanted to give back in some way, shape, or form. So um, I got involved um, with a team in in two thousand seven when I was still racing a little bit, but mostly you know retired. Um, and it's it's great. It's it's hard, and that was a that was a um, a startup young kind of development women's quote unquote professional team um, back in two thousand seven um, with a lot of riders that we just wanted to get out there and make a name for ourselves and you know represent our sponsors well um, and you know be competitive. I mean. Bike racing has gotten extremely competitive, um, and it's it's hard it's hard for me um, as a director of a team to to watch the riders and just sit in um, in a bike race and be pack fodder. Mm-hmm. When I think it's critical to for your development, um, for training, um, and for racing to take some chances, take some risks and, you know, do some things in a bike race. Why was managing the team so hard? Um, you know, it's kind of like being, um, uh, managing employees. Um, you have various personalities. Um, athletes are, are an interesting group. You know, they're, they're kind of children in their own way. Um, so you're, you're not only a a manager, um, an organizer, you're a camp counselor, you're a mother, you're a psychologist. It's, it's hard. And, you know, for me, when I started out, it was, you know, I was doing everything. I was doing all the sponsorship. I was making all the flight reservations. I was, uh, registering the riders. I was, you know, corralling everyone. So it's hard. It's, it's definitely, you're managing a group of, uh, kids in some ways. I look back when I was a racer and I, I, I don't think I was the nicest gal (laughs) or I I don't think I was the easiest gal. I should say, (laughs) you know, you're just so damn tired all the time. I know. I know. And you know what? It is, it is the manager's 
responsibility to make sure that the riders are resting when they're not racing. Um, but you know, if what, what, what used to drive me crazy is people are like, well, I, where do I, where do I go? And, and when I, when I give them a specific sheet of where to be, when, um, but they don't know where they're going. And, you know, this was originally Google maps probably wasn't the best thing and Strava wasn't around and things like that. So, um, getting people to find places was always, well, always challenging. Right. Right. Hey, what did you think of the Rio road race? Um, I thought it was a great race. I thought it was a phenomenal course. Um, I think the U.S. Um, rode an interesting race. Um, Mara is an incredible climber, and I was just uh, saddened to see her not win. But after watching the men's race, that was not a climber's course. Right, right. There was a lot of flat. Yeah, a lot of flat. Um, a lot of just technical riding, you know, you get up that climb and you've got to be able to, to descend. And I know people were discussing the fact that, and I personally, um, wanted to get people's point of view on the descent. I mean, I thought it was a very technical descent. Was it dangerous? Um, I don't think so. I mean, people take risks. That's why Nibbly crashed. That's why, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was a very, very technical descent. Yeah. Interesting. The the other thing that I've noticed is that you're still a really competitive athlete. You're still fit. How do you, how are you doing that? Well, you know, I've always been one of these people that loves sports and, you know, I loved bike racing and I loved, I love riding my bike, but um, I wanted some new challenges. So when I, when I stopped racing, I started doing a lot of running and trail running and I did a lot of, I did some running races, which was really fun. I did an ultra, uh, trail run of 50 K, which <laughs> I'll never do again. Um, <laughs> but then I got involved after I, um, after I quit directing, I got involved in cro CrossFit. And I had always, I was a coach, uh, a cycling coach as well. And I always told my athletes, you know, you can't do, I had one, one athlete who uh, loved to, she told me about CrossFit and I said, you can't do that while you're bike racing. It's awful, blah, 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 blah. And I got a Groupon and I tried it out and I was hooked. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a former bike racer. I'm strong. I'm an endurance athlete. I had no idea how hard that would be. I mean, it's, it's all about your fast twitch muscles. And I was not a sprinter. I, I was more of an endurance person. So, you know, explosive movements are not my forte, but you know, I've kept at it and I love it. And I do CrossFit competitions and, you know, people ask me, how can you get a good workout in, you know, in an hour class, then maybe the workout's only 15 minutes. And I was like, trust me, uh, you can get a good workout. And, and I've also gotten involved in Olympic lifting, which has helped my strength and helped my CrossFit movements. So it's, it's great. I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay. I have to ask you about the Olympic lifting, but first I have to ask about a little bit more about CrossFit. So my impression of CrossFit is that you're just destined to injure yourself because of what's involved. Well, I think injury in CrossFit um, comes from several things. Um, number one, 
Um, finding the right gym and finding the right coaches and learning the movements is critical. I think too often people go, they think they know the movements and their ego gets in the way. So they, you know, pick up heavier weights and that's, you're destined for injury that way. Um, coaching is also critical. Um, fortunately I go to a gym where the coaches are phenomenal and they watch your movement and they will, they will actually kick you out of the gym if you don't have the proper technique or yeah. if you're trying to do heavy weights. So, I mean, it, you know, you can get injured and I have gotten injured, but my injury more is about, um, fatigue and overuse rather than, you know, lifting too heavy a weight. How do you prevent, because when I, I've done it a couple of times and I always saw every, you know, like it's so competitive right from the get go and, you know, I just see people racing around and, and not doing it well because they're so intent on doing it quickly. Well, I mean, I think you got to take your e ego out of the equation. Um, I really think that it's important to say, all right, I want, I mean, for me, it's all about the movement and yeah, I'd love to do the prescribed weights, but you know, sometimes I can't. Um, so I, it is very competitive. Um, but I, you know, I always say to myself, I'd rather do a lighter weight and get the workout done in correctly and with speed. I mean, the coaches will say to you, this is not a workout where I want there, there are certain workouts where they don't want you to do heavy weights. They want you to do quickly. Um, so it's, you, you've got to look at, look at it that way. And yeah, everybody's competing there's a, either a time limit or, you know, you need to get certain repetitions done. Um, but, and even if you're not the fastest one in the class, usually what happens is everybody cheers you on. Um, if you've ever watched the, the, the CrossFit games where these are professionals doing this and getting paid a lot of money, um, they will cheer on the slowest competitors. It's, it's amazing. It's so cool to watch. Cool. I'll have, uh, I will. Uh, so how did you get into the Olympic weightlifting? So, um, one of the CrossFit gyms is a competitive Olympic weightlifter. As a matter of fact, she's a master's world champion. Um, and part of our gym, there are two sections of the gym and one part is strength training and one part is the CrossFit portion of the gym. So, um, we have, um, Olympic lifting classes twice a week, um, which you can do in addition to CrossFit. And so I've started doing it. I mean, the, the, the two movements in Olympic weightlifting, um, the snatch and the clean and jerk, they are very technical moves. And they're hard and learning the correct movements, um, doing skills and doing drills, um, to help you with the correct technique is, has been really helpful for me. I'll have, I'm going to have to look at some videos, I think. Yes. <laughs> to yeah. see what that's if about. You, if you go to YouTube and, um, you know, uh, do a search on snatch or, or clean and jerk, you'll find a ton of videos on it, but yeah, I mean, I watched the the Olympic weightlifting at Rio, and now I understand what they do with the whole the three attempts. And you know, it's kind of like a um, a card game if you notice. Like the weights will, you know, you have to go up in weight, but you may go up one extra kilo if that person didn't make it. Or it's 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 interesting to watch. Was that your favorite thing to watch at Rio? 
No, I mean, there's so much to watch. I, I was really into watching field hockey. That was pretty cool. The rowing was, and the rowing too. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that. I love that. I mean, I, I've been hooked. I, thank God for the internet, because you can watch live stream. I can watch a live stream on three different... Um, <laughs> Do you yeah. have three channels up going all at the same time? <laughs> I got a TV going. <laughs> I got my iPad going. It's before it broke. Yeah. I have my, my, my phone. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. That, to me, is a game changer in terms of watching the, the Olympics. I think the NBC regular broadcast is just uh, not that good. It's awful. It's yeah. awful. One of the things I've heard about the coverage on for the NBC is that they're trying to market to women. Do you have any thoughts about that? It just seems, I, I don't know. No, I don't think so at all. I mean, I don't know how they're marketing to women. I don't, I don't really see it in the commercials or, or anything. I just see, um, I mean, they, they definitely are showing more. I mean, they're, they're doing equal time to men's and women's, which is great. And I actually feel like I'm, I see more women's coverage than I do men's. Mm-hmm. I think there's still, I mean, I remember growing up and NBC was doing all those up close and personals, which were, oh, yeah. was, was offensive to me at the time and, you know, still <laughs> seems to be hanging on. I, I just want to watch the live stream and see it myself. I know. And that's what's so great. And, and for some reason, I don't know, all the commentators that, that are on the live stream seem to be Aussies, which is oh, pretty I cool. know. I know. It's, <laughs> it's great. I love them. Yes. Yes. Did you market any differently when you were working at Osmo to women versus men? Um, well, our marketing dollars were, were very small, but because we created a, a product that was targeted to women, um, you know, we, we, we tried, we did a lot of emphasis on social media. Um, and we definitely got a lot of, um, PR coverage in, um, women's sports and fitness magazine, um, Zell, which is the runners, the women's targeted, uh, runners world website. Um, so we really tried to appeal to them a lot more because, you know, women do all the buying anyway, and they right. spend the money, I think. Right. And they're smarter, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> One of the questions that that sort of prompted me to getting involved in this podcast was looking at how women access sport and how they consume sports and, you know, is it different from men? And part of that was, in fact, the NBC up close and personal takes on on uh, marketing to women. So I was just wondering if you, you think that women sort of consume sports in a different way. Um, I, I do. I, I think that they... Um they do watch sports very differently. They're more savvy. Um, and I think that they, you know, they want to watch just, well, and, and similarly to men, they want to watch the, the, the sport themselves, but they also love the compassion and the drama around sports. I mean, you watch something like, um, even Usain Bolt or, or Elaine Thompson that won both the 100 and 200. And just watching her reaction after she won and even watching the, the, the runners that didn't win, I mean, they're just very supportive of each other. Um, and I think women love that. They really do. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so let's move on to very, very specifically, what are you doing now in terms of training? Like, how often are you training? What are you doing? <laughs> well, um, I would say I'm probably overtraining because I mean I think with when I was when I was racing, I finally learned in my last few seasons of racing that um, recovery was critical, um, and so I I my my it was quality over quantity in terms of of, of training. Um, now I probably I work out uh, six days a week. Actually, today, Thursday is a day I take completely off. Although I will, I've started doing this um, wonderful kind of yoga for, for athletes called Ramwad, range of motion workout of the day. And it's, it's really basically flexibility and it's kind of like a, a yin yoga for athletes and for CrossFit athletes and for all kinds of athletes. And it's very soothing, very restorative, but it's, it's hard. Um, and Thursdays are a day where the, the, the stretching is, it's a longer workout. Usually it's like 15 minutes, but on Thursdays, it's usually 50 minutes, but it's not an aerobic workout. It's really just stretching your muscles and, and, um, helping with flexibility and range of motion. But on the other days, I mean, you know, I do Mondays, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I do CrossFit, um, Tuesdays, I usually do maybe some running or some, or I, I ride and then I do Olympic lifting on Tuesday evenings. Um, and then Saturdays, um, we do uh, CrossFit competition training. <laughs> so that's early morning. And then sometimes I'll do like a, a running track workout after that, or a lot of times I'll go for a bike ride, easy bike ride. My, my bike rides are more uh, recovery than they are doing any intensity, although I love to mountain bike and any mountain biking for me <laughs> is intensity. There's no way around that. No. Well, now um, I know why you're still fit. <laughs> it's just, I, I love it. And you know what? And one of the things that I love, especially about CrossFit is you can't think of anything else. You can't think about work. You can't think about what am I going to make for dinner? It's all your focus is on CrossFit. So it is a great way to clear your mind um, with, with, well, with mountain biking, I'm basically concentrating on the trails, but a lot of times when you're riding, it's like, oh, you know, I got this to do and I got that to do, but I don't think about work when I'm doing CrossFit, which is great. Right. Um, do you, have you noticed any difference as you're aging in, in your training? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I don't recover as fast. Um, I don't, I, I don't think I can on the bike. I definitely can't go as hard, but maybe that's mentally, I don't want to go as hard. Um, I, uh, I really have to keep an eye out on my, uh, nutrition and my recovery. That's critical. What are you doing with, for nutrition and recovery? Well, I realize that protein is probably the most critical thing to have and, and that most women don't consume enough protein. Um, so I, um, before I work out, I always do, I always make sure I've got some protein, at least 20 to 25 grams, um, as part of, um, my meal or my snack or whatever. And, uh, and right after, 
that 30 minute window post-workout, I make sure I get at least 30 grams of protein. Why do you like sports so much and what keeps you, what keeps you doing it? It makes me feel good. I mean, I just feel great after a workout or after a ride. And I think it keeps me young feeling. I mean, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be, but, uh, you know, I look at what my, you know, my, how my parents were when they were my age and I'm like, they weren't as healthy as I was. I am. How do you fit it in your day? That sounds like a lot of time that you're spending. Early morning workouts, just like we used to do in Central Park, Elizabeth. <laughs> well, not, okay. So I'm usually at the gym um, on CrossFit days um, by 6 or 6.30. Class, there's a 7 a.m. class. Um, so usually I get two hours in. I usually finish up my workouts at least by, you know, 8.30 or 9. Right. I mean, I, you know, I'm now, I, my, I kind of have a flexible schedule because I'm a sales rep. So, um, uh, but I try to get my workouts in before nine. I feel better when I work out in the morning. It's sometimes it's hard to get a workout done in the afternoon or get motivated to do it. Um, I also sleep better when I work out in the uh, in the mornings. Got it. Anything you want to talk about that you've been thinking about with women in sports or you or anything? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think the thing about women in sports and, you know, in the, the you know, cycling's changed a lot. Um, I look at it now and I look at the domestic situation with bike racing and I, it, it worries me. I mean, back when, when I was racing, um, there were so many more races on the calendar than there are now. I mean, it used to be that the entire month of March and, and, the schedule was, you know, all of California, and then you move to, to Oregon, and then you move to New Mexico, and then you moved east, and you know, it it was it was great. Um, and I kind I look at the racing schedule now domestically, and it's basically over, and it's it's sad. I mean, we used to race through October, right? Um, and I just, I hope that doesn't go away. And I get concerned about, you know, the sponsorship level and the support for women's racing. And I mean, the racing itself, women's racing is probably better than ever, more competitive than ever. And I, and I hope that continues. Can women do anything to, you know, women bike racers, can they do anything to make themselves more attractive, to make the teams more attractive in terms of I sponsorship? I mean, I think it's a lot, you know, and, and it's a vicious circle. It's, it's getting the media coverage. Um, and, you know, I think we've got amazing spokespeople. I think we have amazing athletes out there that are, are really great people. Um, I just posted something yesterday about um, actually a show that's on was on CNBC called The Equalizer. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a really cool show. Basically, they take an athlete, male or female, and they put them in the, on the same equipment as, you know, those athletes that did the same, kind, same race, um, you know, 30, 50 years ago or whatever. So they had a, sprint, a male sprinter with the same conditions and the same type of shoe as Jesse Owens was. And his time for the 100 meters was actually slower because he was on... Uh, gravel instead of that synthetic surface. But they also had Sarah Hammer on the track uh, doing an individual um, pursuit on a bike similar to Beryl Burton uh, for the 3K pursuit. And she actually beat that time, but only by, you know, 
four seconds or something. So it's bringing female athletes into the mainstream, which I think is really cool. Um, but, you know, I still get frustrated because I feel like some of the cycling websites and the media, like uh, Velo News, um, lacks the coverage and visibility for females, for women cycling. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. It's really hard to find. I mean, even as, you know, I don't keep up so much, but as a casual person, it would be really hard to stay on top of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see more visibility now with women, more equal coverage with women and men in sports like CrossFit and swimming um, than I do in cycling. Maybe it's just a traditional thing. Yeah. I wonder if the a lot of the cyclists, you know, in, in this country are doing other races, like Evan has started doing uh, the ultra cross and whatnot. Yeah. And maybe it's just that's what's taking over for road racing. Yeah. And, you know, the gravel races right. um, are so popular now. So yeah. it's and, and I think that USA Cycling needs to recognize that and um, really, um, really do something about it. On the professional level, it seems like most of the women are racing in Europe right now on yes. European teams. Yes, totally. Yeah. The European schedule is so robust that, um, you know, they have to live over there. It actually seems to be getting better over there than it, yeah. than it was. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. A few sort of goofy questions. Um, do you have favorite sneakers or shorts or something like that? <laughs> um. I, I do, um, for running, I have a pair of, uh, Nike Pegasus that I love, um, running shorts. I don't know. I do have a pair of two times you running shorts that I adore and I'm a big component, a big proponent of compression. Um, although I won't run in compression socks, I will wear compression socks when I travel or drive long distances, because I think it's like the critical thing. And the only brand that I will wear is two times you because they're the best. Um, How about um, cycling I, shorts? What are your favorite uh, cycling shorts? Oh, gosh, that's tough. That's really tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I would say that I have a pair of Vermark uh, cycling shorts that I love. Cool. And they're bib shorts only. I don't wear regular shorts anymore. Really? No. What about when you have to go to the loo? Well, then it's, I got to stop, take down the bibs. <laughs> Although there were, um, I have to give credit to um, Catherine Carroll, Cat Carroll, who taught me how to, you know, pull my, uh, pull my, my shorts over so that I could go to the bathroom. <laughs> we, you know, I'll never forget my first bike race at, uh, or one of my first bike, uh, bigger bike races in, um, at the tour of Willamette up in, no, I think it was, I think it might've been Altoona maybe where we had a P-stop and I'm like, what? I was, What's going I on was, here? I know I was totally floored by that the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, things we remember. Um, so, okay. Do you, are you, do you listen to music when you run? Um, you know, I don't. I'm one of these people that does not listen to music if I'm running or, uh, or riding, unless I'm on a trainer, which I'll never be on a wind trainer again. <laughs> um, I don't listen to music when I work out. I don't either. 
Uh, what about during bike rides? What are you eating or drinking? Um, well, uh, since I have a leftover stash of Osmo, I'll drink Osmo, of course, or I'll drink, um, there's a new drink that Stacey Sims, um, the wonderful genius behind Osmo created called NBS Nutrition, which I'll drink there. Um, so it's a lower concentration of carbohydrates, but has plenty of sodium and potassium and all the good stuff in it. And uh, I will usually eat um, Ali's Bar, which I love. All right. And I don't know if you tried them, but um, if you go to Ali'sBar.com, um, they are an um, organic uh, energy bar. Uh, we like the organic potatoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're awesome. Um, made out of sweet potatoes. Cool. Yeah. I like that. Really good. Like so that. I'll put a couple of those in my back pocket, depending on how long I ride for. Well, thanks for agreeing to a follow-up que- uh, questions. No worries. Yeah. No worries. So one of the things that we talked about last time uh, were was how women are intimidated. And I wanted to ask you a follow-up question about why do you think women are intimidated racing and going into bike shops? Um, well, I think that the first is about racing they're nervous. They don't, they, they feel like they're not good enough to race possibly. Uh, they're worried about getting hurt. I mean, that was my initial, when I first was riding a bike and uh, the thought of racing was like, well, I don't want to race. I don't want to crash. I don't want to, you know, I just, I just didn't want to do it. So, I mean, I just think there's a fear factor. Um, with, uh, with bike shops, it's, they go into a bike shop and the first person they see is usually a, a dude. Um, there's a, they're overwhelmed by the amount of stuff in there that they don't know a lot about because nine times out of 10 women have not been fully educated on how to build a bike, all the components of a bike or whatever. And they're not felt welcome because it's, it's a male dominated industry and it's usually a male dominated um, bike shop. Now to counter that and to and to alleviate that some of that intimidation, more women working in bike shops is the best thing. I mean, there are a lot of examples of that here in the Bay Area. Mike's Bikes, for example, has almost every one of their shops has at least one woman working there, and it it really it makes women feel more comfortable. Right. So that's. That's one way that bike shops can reduce the intimidation. Is there any other way? And also, what can women going into the bike shops do to reduce their own intimidation? I think women have, I mean, I think bike shops having clinics um, or ride days with women makes it really helpful. Um, You know, there have been occasions where I've participated in, um, you know, there's there's a women's group ride that meets at a bike shop and then afterwards they have a clinic on, you know, how to change tires, uh, um, you know, how to change a flat, how to, you know, adjust your front derailleur, things like that. So it's more education. Um, and then I think women, women need to do their homework a bit more, um, and get involved with, with their bike and want to get involved with their bike so that they, you know, they know what's going on. I mean, you know, the, the, the famous quote, knowledge is power, is it's true in absolutely everything. I mean, the more you know, the more information you have, the more confident and the more comfortable you'll feel. Sort of along the same topic, I recently read a 
an article in Atlantic Monthly from 2014 called The Confidence Gap by Katie Kay and Claire Shipman. And a point made in the article that I've thought about a lot since is that confidence leads to action, which then leads to confidence. And of course, the reverse is true. Lack of confidence leads to inaction, which leads to low confidence. So how can women riders be encouraged to take risks in the field instead of becoming pack fighter, as you mentioned in our last interview? Yeah, it's, it's, you don't know if you, if you don't try. Um, And I think that, and, and it's something that when I was a team director for a team that was developing, um, I always said, look, you guys, you'll, you'll, you'll get stronger, you'll get faster, you'll have more fun if you try things and if you take a risk and if you fail, it's okay. I mean, women, women, women are smarter than men, I think. Um, so women take more risks in other areas of their lives, I think. So they should apply that to sports in every single sport and, um, they'll benefit. They just have to, they just have to try. That's all it is. And once they try and if they fail the first time, they try again and they get it, and it's the same thing. Confidence instills action, action which instills confidence. Were you successful as the team director getting your, your riders to try stuff? Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I, you know, obviously there's certain riders, some riders that said, nope, you know, I'm happy in, in just sitting in, and you know what? They didn't get a contract for the next year. Right. Your, your team was very successful, I remember. We tried. <laughs> we had fun. We had fun. It was hard work, but um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough. Every every sport has this same thing. I mean, most people think of cycling as an individual sport, but it is a team sport, like every other one. So, whether you're playing soccer or field hockey or lacrosse, if your teammates aren't doing their job, then you fail. Right. And. Uh, have you personally ever been afraid while you've been racing and have you regretted uh, anything while racing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there were so many times I, I can remember there were times where I'd be in a, in a pro one, two race and I'd be happy finishing with the group. But then I would think to myself, God, wouldn't it have been more fun if I was up at the front doing something? Um, and so I attempted, there were times and I, you know, got blown off the back and I tried and tried again and, and finally it happened, you know, I was in a race, I, I, I counterattacked a move and I, and I won solo. Um, I was at Redlands one year and I went off the front and I stayed away and I got the first QOM and then I died. But I had, it was great. It was, it was a blast. And, and every rider came up to me afterward and said, that was awesome. And it makes me feel good. So I realized then that you got to do it. You just have to do it. If nothing and else, it's good for your sponsor. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and we also talked about you being a, a team director, and I was wondering, and we talked about what team directors do for the riders, and I was wondering, what can a rider do to be helpful to the director? Because you said that it was one of the hardest things that you've ever done, and part of that was managing the riders. So what can the rider do to be helpful? 
Um, I, I think that <laughs> there are a lot of things. They can listen. They can follow directions. They can... You ask so on, much, they, Lisa. I know, I know. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's about mutual respect um, and, and give and take. If I'm giving something to somebody, they should be appreciative of it. If I'm telling them to do something, if they have a question about it, if they have a problem with it, then they should tell me. Um, I just I just ask of my of my riders to follow directions, um, and if they don't, it's it makes everybody look bad. Um, so it's it's more about respect than anything else. Yep. So the, the final question I think is: uh, We are not that far f- off from the spring cycling season. What are your hopes for the women's cycling? season for this upcoming season, both domestically and internationally? Um, more visibility, more coverage. I mean, the racing has been so good. Um, I think the domestic racing has suffered a bit because there's so much, you know, because of the way uh, the UCI is structured that, you know, there's so much more activity in Europe um, that it makes it, it weakens um, the racing here in the United States, which is not to say that it's not good. It's great. And if we can get develop more riders and get them racing and get them up the ranks into every single category, but especially the women's one two category in in the United States will be successful. I mean the, the biggest challenge last year in the on the domestic scene is the the season ended fairly early. Um and you know races go away and um it's it's tough. It's really tough. But um I really think that there is huge momentum in uh on the women's side of racing, especially with more and more um, men's races bringing on another women's race. I mean, if you look in in Australia this weekend, the, the Tour Down Under starts for both men and women, which is great. It, the Tour of California is going to be huge, um, again, for both men and women. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a lot of momentum. We just have to make sure we get more women riding their bikes. How is the prize money divvied up between men and women in those two races that you just mentioned? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is in Australia. It's not. It's not as good. It's not equal prize money. Yeah, we haven't gotten there yet. It's that's still that's still an issue. The prize money. Right. Are there riders that we should be watching for this upcoming season? I don't know. I mean, new new and upcoming, or I'm or existing. I mean, I'm I'm. There's riders that are already on the top of their game that are going to do well. Um, I think there's some riders like, um, well, you know, I worked with a girl, Gretchen Stumhofer, who is, she rode for Cola Vita last year. She's riding for um, 2020 uh, this year. Um, she's a really talented rider. Um, I think she'll do well. Um, you know, I'm kind of out of the loop since I'm not a director anymore. <laughs> um, well, I'm asking you partly because I'm out of the loop. <laughs> but but Michael Engelman wants me to be team director all the time. So 
<laughs> if he listens to this, he'll be happy. Very good. Um, um, you know, I don't know. Um, I think I I think the um, the Hagen's Berman Supermint team is a team to to watch this year. Um, and I know that team. Oof, I can't remember um, what it's called, but with Sam and Skylar Schneider. I mean, Skylar Schneider is she is a woman that's going to be making some major major inroads. I mean, she's young. I think she just turned eighteen. Oh, maybe wow. that is young. Yeah, and her sister Sam is incredible as well. So. Um, yeah, Skyler was at Worlds, and I think I, she was fourth in the road race. I can't remember um, in the under in the uh, juniors. So, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun to watch. Are those are those uh, women California based? No, they're uh, um, Milwaukee based. Oh, okay. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, thanks, Lisa. <laughs> this is a blast. <laughs> Cool. Uh, you know, I hope I hope you get tons of people doing this, and I think this is going to be awesome. Because Hear Her Sports is a new podcast, please take a few minutes on iTunes to rate it, or even write a review so more people can find out about it. There's a yellow iTunes link on the upper right side of hearhersports.com. The Hear Her Notebooks are now available and have started to ship, ordered directly from the website. Support the female athletes you know by attending a women's sporting event or watching one on TV. Follow us on Instagram for some images of what's going on. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Cherie Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures.